ministry in the church can be life-giving and life-changing. And in the midst of it, we all need faithful companions along the road. Welcome to Along the Road, a podcast on faith and leadership for ministry leaders of the PCUSA. Hello, church people. I am Valerie Izumi, your co-host for this episode of Along the Road Encounter. Unfortunately, my co-host, Manuel Silva Esterich, is not able to join us on this episode, but he'll be back with me on the next episode. We have some amazing guests with us today to talk about their experiences as a young adult advisory delegate, or in one case, a youth advisory delegate and theological student advisory delegate. Our guests today are Megan Aceto, a youth advisory delegate from San Joaquin Presbytery at the 215th General Assembly in 2003. Anwi Fomakong, a young adult advisory delegate from Santa Fe Presbytery at the 225th General Assembly in 2022. And Marta Pomroy, a theological student advisory delegate from Austin Theological Seminary, also at the 225th General Assembly in 2022. Welcome, Megan, Anwi, and Marta. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. Manuel and I like to start these episodes by asking our guests to share briefly a little bit of who you are. Would you be willing to begin, Megan? Absolutely. Uh, Thanks so much for the invitation to be on this podcast. This is my first time as a podcast guest, so very exciting. I have lived in the Philadelphia um, city of Philadelphia for... 12 years now. I'm a California transplant to the East Coast, moved out in 2007 to attend seminary and graduate school and ended up falling in love with it and staying um, at least until now. I live in Philadelphia with my husband and nine-year-old daughter. We have two cats um, named Nutmeg and Ginger, so we call them the Spice Girls. And I'm uh, the clerk of session of a small Presbyterian congregation in the Kensington neighborhood of Philadelphia. In my day job, I work in higher education, directing service learning and immersion experiences for students, and teaching as adjunct faculty in several of departments. Awesome. Thank you. How about you, Anwi? All right. So, well, my name is Anwi Fomukang. I was born in Arkansas, Little Rock to be specific, and raised in New Mexico. And I'm currently majoring in mechanical engineering at the University of New Mexico. And I'm also a first generation Cameroonian American who loves teaching kids all about the interworkings and marvelousness of STEM. And I also have way too many hobbies. <laughs> That's great on me. How about you, Marta? Hi, I'm Marta Pomeroy. I am a MDiv student at Austin Presbyterian Theological Seminary, originally from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I am a Puerto Rican and white woman who is a mother to a beautiful black woman who is studying at Iowa State University in Iowa. Thank you, Marta. Thank you. Thank you all. So, as you know, Uh, The theme of this podcast is the diversity advantage, voices of young adult advisory delegates and theological student advisory delegates. And I'm eager to hear your experiences um, in as you were uh, called to serve as a YAD or a TSAD, and also your experience as you served in those particular roles. Anwi, can we start with you? And in particular, would you be willing to share the story of how it came to be that you learned there was such a thing as a general assembly and then how you received the call to serve in this way? Of course. So 
I would just like to start off with Trienium because that was really my first taste of church on this grand scale because mm. before I went to Trienium in 2019, I believe it was 2019. Um, before that, all like my only view of church was just my my little church in Rio Rancho, the Rio Rancho Presbyterian Church. I love that church and I've been going there for a decade and some change. <laughs> and it's just been, it was just great. And then when I received the opportunity to go to Trienium, I realized that there are so many other Presbyterian youth that I didn't know anything about. Even the ones that are in New Mexico, just in Albuquerque, I didn't really get to connect and meet them as much as I did when I went to Trienium. Hmm. And then after that, I was kind of still doing, you know, my standard church business, bell choir and youth group. And I was just asked basically to just keep doing more. They're kind of just inching me and preparing me to become um, a young adult advisory delegate from just being a triennium delegate to a YAD. Um, I think I was asked to run a church service or a couple of services a couple of times. And then I was just asked to be a YAD by my pastor and some other, um, uh, some of our advisors from Trienium as well. So when I heard about General Assembly, I was really confused. Um, and this was before I actually got to, you know, physically be there. And I was just receiving all these emails like, congratulations, you were nominated. And I was like, that's cool and all, but what does this actually mean? Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh yeah, book your flight, book this, book that. And it was just all this information. I had to read a bunch of stuff and I still didn't know how I, it was going to be applied. But mm -hmm. then when I showed up in Louisville, I was just in for a crazy awakening, realizing that basically GA is just like, church government and that's how I've just been processing it since mm -hmm. then and I would just want a lot of other Presbyterian youth or just anyone in the Presbytery to experience what I did because I had no clue going into GA what it was about or what I even was supposed to be doing but I think it's a, it should really be made a point in youth groups to really encourage um Youth to apply and become a delegate because, you know, there are a lot of moving parts to the church that people really don't know about. And it's not just a small scale Presbytery in your city that's really a representative of the Presbytery as a whole. There's a lot of things going on and it's really, really cool. Everyone should be able to experience it at least once. Awesome. So, Anwi, did you, um, did you, actually go and apply or did someone come to you and say, we think you should apply or we think that this is something you should do? Someone came to me. I mean, if if I applied first and I would kind of imply that I knew anything about this, but mm. I was just glad that, you know, my pastor and some other um, advisors saw it in me. They're like, oh, maybe, maybe you should be a good fit for this. And I just threw my hat in the ring and here I am. Yep. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Marta, <clears throat> tell us yeah. your story. Well, I was 
brought to be a TSA by our Dean of Students sent out an email to all Presbyterian students that are at seminary, seeing who was interested in applying for this opportunity. Having been um, at General Assembly as a ruling elder, I had a very similar experience my first time that Anwi experienced as well of, I knew my church, which was a predominantly white church in Iowa, and I also knew I had a heart for racial justice, but until I went to the General Assembly, I didn't know those two things were a match. Mm. And it's such a beautiful match to find out for me of like, this is church work done well in areas that I am passionate about and see us serving each other in the community with. So it was a really eye-opening experience when I first went in 2018. Uh, so I knew that it was something I'd want to be a part of. It was a little bit challenging to be a TSAD because we also have classes to take in the summer. So I had to take Greek intensive while taking it at the same time. But I would consider the relationships that are formed by being able to go to the General Assembly and work with others in committees um, and be able to connect and network with more people are equally as valuable as the classwork that we're taking at the same time. Uh, so being able to apply for that opportunity and take advantage of it. And after I came back from it, I kept telling all my Presbyterian colleagues, like, you need to go. You need to go to General Assembly uh, to see what it's all about. Um, and like, it's, yeah, you want to mentor other people to getting to experiencing something like this. Awesome, Marta. I love that you talk, you're talking about mentoring too, that you're passing on that on. How about you, Megan? So I was a college sophomore and General Assembly in 2003 happened to be very early that year. It was in um, <clears throat> late May, I believe, which meant that a lot of high school students were not eligible to attend because it conflicted with their high school schedule. So my youth pastor called me up one day and said, hi, was wondering if you'd be interested in going as a youth representative to General Assembly or a youth advisory delegate to General Assembly. And I said, a who now to what? I have no idea what you're talking about. I had no clue that my Presbyterian church I had been going to since middle school when I started there in youth group with my one of my best friends um, was connected to all of these other Presbyterian churches that I'd seen in other towns nearby and had no clue that those churches were connected to other churches around the country and that it all made up this amazing connectional church that I'm now a lot more aware of. He, uh, my youth pastor said, we think you'd be a really great fit for this. Um, I showed up at General Assembly and uh, found an incredible amount of community with um, the other YADs. That was a huge part of the experience that I think was really um, invaluable and sort of undersold, to be honest. Uh, the community that was created among us was um, a huge gift. And I uh, was also given the opportunity to get very involved. And so General Assembly in 2003 was, for me, a pivotal moment in terms of the tra trajectory of my life. I found the graduate program I wanted to uh, participate in when I was at General Assembly. It started for me a path to service in the National Church. I started serving on the General Assembly Committee on Representation um, 
at the following assembly in 2004, was elected to the General Assembly Committee on Representation and served there for six years. I'm active in my local presbytery. Um, it, it just was really a pivotal moment in terms of um, how I connect to the church and in many ways to my faith, because I find a lot of faith formation and encouragement and spiritual nourishment through those gatherings. Similar to Ennui, though, I got there and thought, like, this is way different than my local church than my church home and didn't really know how to process what that looked like, um, especially in 2003 when we were as a denomination at odds about so many different conversations that were happening. And I didn't know that these conversations were happening at the national level. So I walked away from that experience um, sort of stunned and transformed all at the same time. Um, I think the you know, on we talked a lot, getting talked about getting a lot of emails. I got a lot of paper mail, yes. and so I would show up <laughs> because it was two thousand three. <laughs> I'm not actually that young anymore. <laughs> um, would show up to my college classes after I'd go to the mail center with armloads of overtures that needed to be read and and mail from these different special interest groups trying to interest me in their brunch that they were having or all of these mm. different things and you know all of the information about booking your hotel and your airfare and travel and all of that and I would come into class with just armloads of paperwork and uh, a really good friend who's now actually my husband uh, sat next to me in those classes and he would look at me and be like what is all of that, what are you doing? And I really didn't have an answer for him because I really had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, but I'm also really grateful for that experience. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, a, a disclaimer, uh, all, of, all of our guests today are members of the General Assembly Nominating Committee, uh, of which I am staff resource. Uh, and so... I, I just um, am so in awe of these young women. Uh, and yes, Megan, you're still young. <laughs> in the Presbyterian Church, I sure am. <laughs> but these three women who uh, bring such a wealth of knowledge, but but also their experience of serving the General Assembly in the ways that they did. So, and, and that is why uh, this podcast is made made up of the three of you. Um, because of that, that experience and and uh, the witness that you are sharing with us. So, and um, one of the things that Megan said made me think about something. So, Megan talked about the community that the the Yads had at the twenty uh, two thousand three General Assembly. That's because that assembly, even though it was dealing with paper, actual paper instead of electronic, um, was in person. And so people could gather together. And and Anwi and Marta, you did not have that opportunity. Although you were in person, the everything was truncated, right? So there were were uh, four committees at a time, I think, uh, over a series of dates. So for instance, Marta, you may not have been in the Presbyterian Center Conference Center for General Assembly at the same time as Anwi. I'm not sure if you were or not. But so how did you build community then? Were you able to build community in the same way that Megan is mentioning? How about we start, Marta? 
Well, they, um, uh, Martha Miller, I do believe, set up our Zoom meetings with other TSADs so we could connect to the other TSADs who are having the similar experience. Uh, we also had like a group chat going during the General Assembly to kind of connect with one another. But after having been to an all-in-person GA, an all-online GA, and then a hybrid GA, so I've got to experience all the three different styles so far. Um, it was a little challenging to like be able to like like solidify that group, but still there were opportunities. I think uh, there was a BIPOC support group of Zoom calls that were happening during the GA, mm -hmm. and I found community within those a little bit more because we had more interaction than being TSADs in different committees and different parts that it was a little more disjointed, but there was efforts to still create that community even with a hybrid or online form. Mm -hmm. How about you, Ami? Um, for the YADs at the time, it was basically the same thing. I know a really big, the really big thing that really united us all was the group chat because it was just blowing up nonstop. Like people would send memes in there. It would be serious. People would be laughing. Like it was just all sorts of energy that we could all just feed off each other and just keep going. And like the mm -hmm. people that were at home, just be like, hey, hang, hang in there, guys. I know it's a long day, but we're with you wherever uh, we are um, in the U.S. And it was just, it was a, it was a really great um, mode of communication for us to like stay connected. Um, for those in person, we did have some check-ins like every night just to kind of decompress everything that we had to talk about during the day, whether it was um, something happy or some really tough topics. And that was nice. And we did have some group dinners. And, you know, from all that interaction, I did find like a nice core of people that I really stuck to. I know we rode scooters throughout Louisville one night, which was super, super fun. <laughs> um, yeah, like I, there's there's always there was at least one person for everyone. I know no one just had one person. Everyone was just like in a group. We we're all together. or we'd mm -hmm. ran chat, But no one was ever by themselves. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Do you actually keep in touch with any of your former YADs or TSATs? I was really good about it for the first year. I still have everyone's number. I know we have that relationship where I could just text them out of nowhere, give them a call, and it will just we'll just pick up from where we left off. Mm -hmm. And you know, mm -hmm. I really value that. So yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. I'm going back 20 years, so I yeah. actually haven't unfortunately kept in touch with folks, but. Um, conversations like this make me think like I should go try to find my roster on paper somewhere probably buried oh, in storage <laughs> and see if I could reconnect with folks um, because the community really was so important to mm -hmm. I think to what General Assembly is all about for me as I've come back to General Assemblies and I've attended a lot of them over the years and was a uh, ruling elder commissioner to the 2020 General Assembly, which was a wild experience. Um, I always feel like General Assembly is sort of this big family reunion. It's where I reconnect to a lot of people. It's where I got to see Valerie for several years after I uh, was finished serving on the General Assembly Committee on Representation. I was so grateful for that reconnection. Um, so I think this makes me think, oh, I should go back and, and try to reconnect. It makes me want to do a where are they now feature, right? That would be yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> Did you want to say anything, Marta? 
Well, I was going to say, like, from my experience at General Assembly and then working in, in the Special Committee for Racism, Truth, and Reconciliation, like, once, like, you have that active participation of doing things with people, like, as the T said, I served on the Environmental Justice Committee, and part of doing that was planning worship. Yeah. And it was one of these where, yes, you meet in your committee, but once you go in a group of three and you start planning worship and planning something together, you start having this shared product and then this shared like commonality um, with people who are spread out all over once you leave. And I have found with those people spread out all over, I feel like I have people everywhere. And then as I travel, if I just come near to where somebody I know who has served the church in this way, I'll, I'll like reach out to them. Like, I'll be in that lands. Are you going to be around? And then we meet up with these people that really have this deep connection and deep love for the church. And it's good to have those connections and to have people like in many places that you know are looking out for the best of others and yeah, and the denomination. It's neat to have those connections and relationships. Yeah, that's true. And I have to tell you, I was in the control room while you were le leading worship in your committee. And when I saw you, my heart was really warmed. I really, I really... I wouldn't, I didn't leave. I just stayed there and watched you because <laughs> we had already had a relationship because of uh, the special committee. Um, so I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on how we strengthen awareness of the ties of local church to Presbytery, to Synod, to General Assembly, because each of you have that story, right? That you were really not aware uh, as a church member uh, until well, for on me going to triennium that's often the way right or a Montreal college conference or something like that but how how else can we strengthen uh those the awareness of our connectional ties um, i'll i'll start um I, it really just starts with a conversation really because you know there are members in like every church that have experienced ga in some way shape or form and um, I know in my church, especially like I, I, I didn't know what it was until I was asked to, you know, serve. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it really just takes one talk, like just one quick little meeting. And I don't know, we, we just haven't even done that. So I just think a member of the church really just needs to allot some time to just be like, hey, this is this is what's going on on the national global level. And you guys can or here's a way that you guys can be a part of that, too. Mm -hmm. and I think it's just as simple as that. Mm hmm. I think there's just like a lack of awareness of how we are connected. I feel like, you know, every year we go over like the budget and like what our plan is for the year. But I think at least taking the time to understand how we fit in this bigger structure. I know it's a challenge to say like we need this, you know, per capita to go out in other places, but realize what it's doing when it goes out in those other places and to promote that more. Um, I do feel like General Assembly becomes almost like the secret club of people who are like GA junkies, like, oh, oh you know what it is. And then you find your people who've been before and talk to them about it, or they're the ones who want to check in with you about it. Like, oh, you're going. And then like, but it is like, it's almost like going to a foreign country that not everybody gets to go to and that other people who've been there will understand your stories about it. But if we can like bring those stories to more people so that you can feel connected without even having to travel to it, that would be ideal. Yeah. Yeah. I think General Assembly, I think that's such a great way to put it, Marta, that it's this like foreign country because I came back from General Assembly as a YAD and 
people in my congregation had no idea what I was talking about. Mm. Um, had no no way to sort of connect to my experience. I think my executive presbyter did because he was there with us, with our group from my presbytery. And he was ultimately the one who, um, at the end of a lunch where we sat down to sort of debrief and talk through the experience that I had said, you seem like you had a really incredible experience and you seem really excited. Are you interested in doing something with that excitement? Mm. Which actually led to service in the national church though, not in the presbytery, which I found in retrospect, as I thought about this, I find very interesting. And I don't think it was the wrong move. I don't think there was a right or a wrong place to go serve from there. I think he did exactly the right thing in connecting me to service because it really solidified my my path in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But I came back from my experience and people in my own congregation didn't know what I was talking about. Um, I think the challenge with our congregations and making that connection to Presbytery and Synod and General Assembly is that in many ways, social media serves to connect us, but it also allows us to be a lot more isolated. We can feel like we're connected to things going on all the way around the world, but we're really not. And our brains are not designed to take in the amount of information that we have to take in these days. And so we sort of self-select into the communities and the conversations that we want to. And I think that a big part of this has to be that intentionality of saying, of of invitation, really, of saying, I did this really weird thing. It was also amazing. Would you like to join me? Would you like to go next year? Would you be interested in hearing more about it? And, And I think for those of us who've been, to try to interpret it, a lot of this, I think, is the work of interpretation, right? For why does this matter for the local church? Why does this matter for the local congregation? And for its ministry in its neighborhood, where the neighborhood is dealing with the opioid epidemic down the street mm-hmm. and gun violence, um, and we're losing people all the time. So I think in some ways, we just really have to do the work of interpretation and invitation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, that's, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, Marta. I was thinking like, even with like the changes because of pandemic and having hybrid GA sessions, like it allows people to participate in GA that haven't before because you can witness a lot of what happens now online, which is something that people haven't been able to do. So maybe you are of a presbytery that you it's more di- difficult to become somebody who gets to go um, or you've done it before and it's somebody else's turn, but you still want to be connected to. So being able to stream in that hybrid environment allows people to be more connected to it. So that might be an advantage change in the future. Um, As well as during the pandemic um, and the awareness and awakening a lot of people had during that time, I think there's more people who are realizing how public policy actually affects how things work and how people vote. I found myself watching like school board meetings in ways I hadn't watched them before (laughs) during that time. Um, But it's also like when you start realizing like, oh, these committees, like this is how the things get to where they are and realizing that is like kind of the what gets the ball rolling um, for things that are stagnant. You can get changed by getting that ball rolling. So I, I would love to see that more involvement and the realization of how that is all connecting and the fact that we have the technology to bring it to people in ways that are different than before should strengthen that. Awesome. Awesome. So um, I'm thinking about uh, the, our, our theme, which is the diversity advantage. 
Um, and so, and, and not just like racial ethnic diversity, not, so what, what is the, what is the spice? Um, what is, what is it that you, uh, advisory delegates and in particular, uh, YADs and TSADs bring to the assembly that would, um, that strengthens it, strengthens its witness, strengthens its ability to hear, uh, what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. Um, and what God is calling us to, what is it about having the, the voices of Yads and Tsads that is so important and to me urgent in that we need to make sure that there are more Yads and Tsads who are participating? Do you have thoughts on that? I can speak from the Yad experience and over the last two decades because I've watched this at assembly after assembly after assembly and I watched it in my assembly where I was a YAD, and I watched it in the assembly where I was a ruling elder commissioner, that our YADs and our TSADs, I'm thinking really specifically about our YADs because they fall within a very specific demographic in terms of age. Mm -hmm. And because they fall within a specific demographic in terms of age, especially recently, that means that they're Gen Z. And Gen Zers will not let us get away with anything. <laughs> they will hold us to account. <laughs> and I appreciate that about our young people so much because there is a lot that we need to be held accountable for. There's a lot that the church needs to um, make reparations for. There's a lot that the church needs to be um, aware of and cognizant of. And I think that our young people do that in ways that some of us just aren't able or willing to do um, as we get older. But I mean, I saw it in my assembly. I saw um, my peers really stepping up to say, this doesn't sound right. This is, maybe we need to think about a new way of doing this. Maybe we need to take responsibility for actions that we've taken in the past that have hurt people and hurt uh, communities. And so for me, that's, I think, a big, a big part of it. When I look, especially at the last couple of assemblies where Gen Zers are really at the forefront of, um, of the advisory, the young adult advisory delegate cohort, that they just really won't let us get away with anything. And we should be very grateful for that. Amen. Amen. Uh, our podcast listeners don't realize that when Megan said Gen Zers won't let us get away with anything on we, Snap the fingers, like, right, you got that right. <laughs> Others? I think one of the things that brings, like, diversity to a place like General Assembly is the fact that you are bringing people together in those committees from all parts of the United States who have different priorities of what's important in their community. And, um, like, voting on divestment from fossil fuels, you have people who are staunch environmentalists and you have people who like this is our industry and what we are our livelihood and just the diversity of perspectives within that space mm -hmm. but the thing that yads and tsads bring to it is a lot of time the people who are commissioners are people who are either older and retired and have that ability to like free up time or professionals who are of the type of work that they can get off time to work and therefore are pretty passionate about what they're doing. Um, and I think the TSADs and the YADs can balance out those voices. Um, like age goes and as far as like wisdom without privilege possibly mm. that they can then share um, within those spaces that might not be the norm for what's getting put forth by the other delegates. Thank you. Thank you, Marta. 
Anwi, did you want to say something? Um, I mean, they both basically covered it. You know, I have to speak on Gen Z being in Gen Z. I just know our generation really does not play. And we know how to make things shake when we really want something to shake. And I just think it's important for us to be included in this conversation because if the older folks won't do it, then we're going to do it. Amen. Thank goodness for that. (laughs) So... Uh, Just a reminder to listeners that each presbytery may elect uh, a young adult advisory delegate to this upcoming assembly, a young adult who will be between the ages of 18 and 23 years old on June 25th, 2024, and who is an active member of one of its congregations or a participant in a new worshiping community or an immigrant fellowship that has a relationship with the presbytery. That is a recent change in the standing rules to enable more opportunities for those 18 to 23 to respond to the call to serve as a YAD. And those names will need to be submitted to the Office of the General Assembly by December 28. And if we do not receive it by that deadline, we can, you cannot, the Presbytery cannot send a YAD to the Assembly. So remember, it's been expanded. Uh, active member of one of its congregations or a participant in a new worshiping community or an immigrant fellowship that has a relationship with the presbytery. And I hope that um, presbyteries will consider that possibility. So um, don't forget 18 to 23. And then for TSADs, uh, those names come from the um, seminaries to the presbyteries. And it needs to be a theological student who is under care of the presbytery and must be uh, nominated by their seminary and uh, elected by the presbytery. And all nominated students shall have at least one more year of study remaining in their degree program following the assembly. Uh, we've been sending out a lot of information about YADs and TSADs from the Office of the General Assembly. And I really, really do hope that um, we see an increase in numbers. I'm so grateful to have had this time with you and I want to give you an opportunity to say one last word to our audience about why why take this very seriously. So not to be too morbid, but we know that our denominations numbers have been in decline for a really long time. And the reason that that hits me, makes me really sad, is that I love this denomination. I love how I've watched it transform over the last 20 years. I love how I've seen us step into prophetic roles and voices. And I really do believe that our YADs and TSADs have been sort of the foundation for that work. And so I think on one hand, it's about, you know, maybe reversing the trend of decline in our denomination. Mm. That's like a really capitalistic response that I don't love. Right. So for me, the real response is that without all of the voices at the proverbial giant table, which I also struggle with that metaphor a lot. Um, I talk in my work as a moderator of our Presbyterian Committee on Representation that it isn't about scooching over or making room at the table. It's about getting a bigger table. There you go. It's about, sometimes it's about throwing out the table and us all sitting on the floor together. There you go. There have to be other ways of representing the work that we do and that 
Sure. Well, it's about, it would be great if the Presbyterian Church USA was around for forever and forever. That's fantastic. But the real work is like within our congregations. It's within the General Assembly. It's within our presbyteries and our synods. And if we want to keep our young voices involved, we have to keep doing the work in that direction. So I think, why does it matter? It matters because every voice matters. I think mm-hmm. that for me is, is the is the total foundation of it. Lovely. Marta, not every not every theological student is young. So what's the value of having a TSAD? I think the value of having a TSAD is that our wonderful professors are teaching us with some of the most recent like theologians and theories that a lot of people haven't experienced before or heard from or voices that of marginalized communities that have not been highlighted or even prioritized within these institutions are now being like highlighted and not like not just for a week, but like this is how we like look at things through these lenses. And so having those lenses of being able to look at the bigger picture thing um, with the wide variety of previous experience that um, seminarians usually bring to this. There's people who've had first careers of like teachers like me or engineers. Um, And then there's people who are recent graduates as well. And it's such a variety of people, but people who are exposed to uh, newer theologies and newer ideas, as well as grounded in what we've always believed, like taking your polity class and knowing like what's going on in the confessions and knowing what's going on in the book of order. We have this like knowing of what we are, but also knowing of where we can be and having a wide a wide range of things to pull from when we're trying to use our voices like within those committee times and even larger times within the assembly. Thank you. Anwi, I want you to say a few words too, but I also want to ask you a question. Um, because you have you were recognized as someone who who could um speak, be a voice of um wisdom and reason at the General Assembly. Um and because your people uh, opened up doors for you by giving you opportunities to say, hey, this is something that exists, might you be interested in? You you have blossomed in a way, and I don't really even know you that long, but I can see um, that you have blossomed in a way that this knowledge, and give it, and I realize you're an engineer, so of course the knowledge is going to always be the thing that informs you. But you, with this knowledge that you have of opportunities, you're taking advantage of that um, in ways that you wouldn't have if you hadn't been to your training, if you didn't know that these possibilities existed. What do you think is the um, the responsibility of ruling elders within your church, deacons within your church, the teaching elders, ministers to to make sure that members of the congregation know of opportunities and find ways in which to pay for them to go to various conferences, uh, have various experiences. How important do you think that is uh, in the development of, of young adults in particular, but all church members? It, it really is very important because, you know, when given these different opportunities in church, it's not, it's not all just, of course, everything is about like serving God, but you are blossoming like yourself. You're growing yourself with confidence. 
um, your people skills, you're like making these great connections that are really going to serve you for your entire life. And you are serving God on top of that. And it's really important for, I guess, our youth to be encouraged to want that too. But in order to want that, they have to first know about it and know that it's actually possible for them to want that and to receive it and to really curate it and make it their own and really just, I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. own it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Own it. I love that. I love that. Own it. We need that as a as a sticker at this General Assembly. <laughs> okay, I really want to thank you, the three of you. Um, it's been such a pleasure to be with you, Megan, Marta, and Anwi. Um, thank you so much for taking time out of what I know is a busy day um, to to talk with us. You're welcome for the invitation. Absolutely. Friends, the diversity advantage of including and amplifying the voices and perspectives of young adult advisory delegates, particularly because they are a demographic not ordinarily selected to serve as commissioners, as well as theological student advisory delegates, is that their perspectives, lived experiences, wisdom, and advice may be taken into account and be a faithful part of the Assembly's discernment and decision-making in Assembly committees and plenary. Through our conversation with our three guests, we discover the reciprocal relationship of the Connectional Church. They learned about the broader church through their local congregations, including attending conferences like the Youth Triennium, Montreat College Conference, and other offerings throughout the church, not just those targeted for their demographic, but those that would expand their imaginations and curiosity about who God is calling them to be and who God is calling the church to be. They were encouraged to consider serving as advisory delegates, which not only benefited the assembly and the church as a whole, but also gave them a sense of belonging and inspired them to explore other ways in which God might be calling them to serve the church. I hope that you will find ways to encourage and share more stories like our guests, as well as the stories of others who serve the church as advisory delegates, commissioners on denominational committees, and as volunteers, so that the power of one voice becomes the power of many voices, so that the ministry of the whole people of God may flourish. We look forward to receiving the names of your Yads and Tsads to the upcoming General Assembly no later than December 28, 2023. Until then, we will see you along the road. Peace. This has been the Along the Road podcast. We look forward to crossing paths with you again soon. 